Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, welcome to Talking Joe, uh, the best and longest running dedicated G.I. Joe Comics podcast and sometimes streaming show. Uh, today we are doing a very special episode to tie in with Cobra Convergence 6. We are going to be talking about crazy cobras, bizarre baddies, those wacky weirdos of the cobra ranks. Uh, but I'm not going to be doing that uh, alone. I'm going to be joined my good buddies. And here they are. First up, it's this guy. I really want to talk Joe with you. It's a real American Tim. American It's Tim Finn. Hello, viewers and listeners and Mark. <laughs> Last and least. And also joining us today, we've got a very special return of the big man. It's the chief. Chief Doggy 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 um you're too kind mr finn yes but the answer is yes um with my good buddy ben flying retro it was november 2018 and we did a cobra convergence last year was it last year, be year? year before i think that's year the before, was it with s job yeah. seven um we did uh um, some something to do with the cobra idw series but that's right yeah. yeah you did this amazing cobra idw show with like lots of sort of like an audio adaptation almost of the comic book sort of um yeah, yeah act, acting it out with yeah. all sorts please of different please, actors always, and always nice to get the invite to come back on and uh lowbrow it and bring the tone down from you fine gentlemen's <laughs> upclass product so excellent so uh, chief started talking joe a few years ago with ben and since then he's broken and replaced a few of his co-presenters so we've had uh we've had full forces chris mcleod diagnostic 80 we then had uh steve jabber from joburg and since then i joined uh and when chief left uh tim joined and also jay for the regular uh, for the devil's due episodes that we do so uh, the mix which we try and keep in our lane of a bit of a comics focus and that typically involves looking at the latest issue of a real american hero as it comes out a look back to the devil's due era of comics from the early 2000s and also trying to get hold of some of those creators and delve inside their minds and find out more about their process and that's uh, that's good to, to see we've had lots of the yeah, recent you've done creators fantastic on the stuff, show. all you guys have done fantastic stuff with the show and taking it to heights you know that that i wasn't able to do so hats off to you boys uh fantastic job as always um it's, it's a great listen um very quick question again I, I don't hate on me for derailing it even further but um i'm very interested to know very just quickly 
your guys' thoughts. Issue 300, when it comes out, which I presume is going to be December or the end of the year, will it be a good Perhaps. issue? Yes or no? Mm. Will it be yes. worthy of an issue 300? Yes. Okay, I like that. Positivity. Definitive. Excellent. I would like to hope so. I would, I'm, I'm, posit- I, I'm, I'm feeling in a positive frame of mind, an optimistic frame of mind. I think we're going to have an exciting ride to get to, to 300. So what are we doing today for Cobra Convergence? So we're talking about crazy cobras. So so the theme of our show today is looking at some of our uh, favorite, yeah, you know, real wacko weirdo designs uh, from the ranks of the of the Cobra uh, Legion and, and sort of looking who's at the, the, art the toys. Who's, who's the art here? Fantastic. This is, I believe, Earl Norum. Uh, from one of the sort of young adult books of G.I. Joe that, that was released. Imagine, Tim, you've got this in your collection somewhere, do you? Um, I have two of the Earl Norum roughs for these paintings, but not the final ones. Norum's oh, wow. um, neighbor, seven or eight years ago, listed a bunch of his paintings on eBay. Um, and wow. that's... That's where I got one or two. I was just thinking about the book that you might have the book in your collection. <laughs> Never mind the uh, original art. Original art, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's like that's putting down your Uno card. <laughs> um, I I don't have the Earl Norum original painting. I do have the color Earl Norum sketch. I don't know if it's technically a thumbnail or a comp. Uh, it depends on how Norum was working with his art director, um, but. I, I don't have this novel and I probably should get all the novels. Yeah, they're they're very the yeah, Earl Norum's uh illustration work is just incredible and these the covers to these books is uh, is is amazing. Some you know, some of his his GI Joe work is amongst uh, the best but also uh, less well known I'd say um, you know because it's not comics, not toys. So there's a lot of cobras to to choose from. This is a, a cover uh, to, uh, I think it was two one two by uh, Adam Riches illustration of all of the the cobra legion. We've had a few other covers where there there's tried to illustrate a lot of the cast all together. I think I could spot the guy that 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 you had as your selection in there. Yeah, he's there. I can see him. Oh really? Uh, yeah, sort of towards the middle. Oh, I see. Him. Just, yeah. just off center. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a snarl. He seems pretty calm here. Mm, you're not quite calm. He looks. He does look mean. Maybe not smiling, but a little bit grumpy. And uh, and let's see another one. Okay, and this is the Jamie Sullivan uh, uh, cover art that is soon that soon to grace uh, the covers in the run up to issue 300. So I think it begins with. Around about two nine six, I believe, something like that. Uh, there's going to be a, a set of uh, a, f- a few five uh, covers with uh, featuring uh, lots and lots of cobras across uh, across the, the the covers as they are joined up, and uh, some yeah, some quite obscure uh, obscure characters in amongst that. Um, so against all of those different cobras that uh, we could choose it was uh not necessarily the easiest job to to grab one and actually uh, i'll point out that yeah our man mr finn has got a bit of form with some of the more obscure cobras as well because of cobremba 
you want to tell us about what Cobremba was, uh, Tim, and uh, how it links to some of the random cobras? In December of 2020, I drew and posted a uh, G.I. Joe drawing every day uh, following the lead of Jovember, right? Which is November, am I getting this right? It's, uh, I've, I've, I've started to take the word Joe and Cobra and combine it with any month to think about any variation <laughs> of this. So I sometimes actually forget what the original one was. Um, and I was hoping to start a, a, you know, a small internet revolution and I don't, I draw a fair amount in my sketchbook for my students, um, but with, with my jobs, I haven't drawn much for myself the last few years. And uh, it was the pandemic and we're all sort of at home anyway. And I had an Instagram to promote and I thought I could bring these two things, these three things together, drawing more often for myself, flexing my Instagram's muscles and celebrating not just the obscurity of a lot of Cobra characters, but very specifically the color schemes. When I think of Joe, when I think of G.I. Joe, I'm often thinking of color, thinking of color combinations. And Cobra takes that a step further because they're the bad guys and they're so much fun. And um, coloring this was was the best. Coloring each of these was the best part. Very good. Very cool. Lots of fun characters there. Who's this guy in the in the middle on the screen at the moment? That's the that's the ninety four Viper or the ninety three Viper when uh, that's the redo of the original eighty six Viper. But to me, it's always looked like a Toxo Viper or something that fell in a vat yeah. of purple purple paint because he does he looks too much like a hostile environment guy. Yeah, it ended up being quite a lot of purple in in the selection. I feel, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's look at me today. I'm specifically. Uh, you know, our co-host Jay in the last episode we recorded made the comment that early on Cobra was so much about blue and red and sometimes purple. And certainly if you're thinking of blue and red, you, you're going to get to purple. Uh, so I thought not wearing any green shirts or beige shirts or light gray shirts uh, for our Cobra celebration today, I would in front of my red backdrop and my, it's not a G.I. Joe, but <laughs> a toy with some red in anyway, I thought I'd wear some cobra colors oh so so from across this you know this vast uh choice of cobras that we could go go for many of which as we've just seen from from your looking briefly at your instagram uh do have you know quite out there color schemes you know what i How didn't did... i didn't say my instagram so let me do it let me do it now it's at a real american book okay please continue and so, so against that that giant choice of characters, uh, how did you land on your character, and what was it? I'm waiting for the the turn of the slide for when you say it. <laughs> um, for Cobra Conversion Six and our talking Joe discussion today of Crazy Cobras, I picked Gristle. This is this is not a Cobra drawing. I did this last night at 10 p.m. after Mark, <laughs> Mark sent a reminder email. Um, hey, tell me who you're picking because I need to come up with some slides. And I thought I've always been struck by Gristle because I stopped buying the action figures as a, as a kid in '92, and what was really happening 
93, as I was transitioning from kid buying toys to play to adult collector buying toys to keep. And there was some crossover in there where I was still playing, but I was buying a second one and putting it on a shelf. And so in my mind, there's this uh, sort of nostalgia and bittersweet feeling for the final figure or two that I did buy as a kid and what would have been the next figure or two or three that I bought had I continued. And Gristle was imminent. And I'm struck by this guy because um, his year, we're, we're sort of past this threshold of more and more interesting individual Cobras, right? Like a Major Blood and a Scrap Iron and a Big Boa. And by 92, we're getting mostly just Vipers or uh, soldiers with masks and, you know, there are hundreds of them. And so Gristle seems like this late addition and you know, in a, in a different world, had the show continued for one more year, had the show, uh, the Deke episodes, that is, had, had the two seasons not had orders of about 20 episodes, had they had orders of, you know, 30 or 40, if, if G.I. Joe programming had continued, if Larry Hama had any connection to this character, and I don't think he wrote the file card, so I don't think he has any connection to this character, this character would have shown up in the comic book. He would have shown up on, on the TV show. And even if we didn't like him because he was silly or poorly written or not given a purpose, um, we would have had some familiarity with him. And so he's this very strange outlier to me with this really exciting, too colorful costume and then these bonkers uh, weapons and, uh, and this really energetic painting. Uh, he, he's got this funny snarl and he's got a really silly haircut. He's got four ponytails or he's got two ponytails and crazy sideburn side tails. Right? <laughs> Front and, tail. <laughs> um, oh, he's Jamaican. And, and he's from Jamaica. And, you know, what? when you think of grease, slime and dirt, you're basically thinking about Gristle. Not only is he a corrupt crime boss, but personal hygiene is absolutely his personal hygiene is absolutely disgusting. During the months he spent training to be into headhunters, he didn't bother to shower once. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've we've had a Joe or a Cobra who doesn't bathe. Um, we've had a Joe or a Cobra who's got gritted teeth in their toy figure sculpt. I guess I'm thinking of Nagahide. We've had criminals, right? This guy was going to be in DEF and DEF was pulled from the next year's line. And those figures were just put into the main, the main line, right into uh, battle car core, what was about to become battle core. So I'm, I'm just fascinated by this guy because he seems to be doing a lot of things, right? He's a, he's an individual. He's not uh, an army builder. He's from an interesting place. Uh, he's, he's not just Cobra, but he's, uh, some kind of criminal and yet sort of no one knows him. Mm. So I was going to, it's, I mean, I've never seen him before, but I was going to suggest maybe Headman. Um, I mean, I don't know anything about him really, apart from that Andy Wildman drawn arc. So this dude worked as part of that group. Uh, ostensibly. Yes. Right. So Headman, we do know because he does show up in one or two issues and he does show up in two episodes of the Deke cartoon and he dies. What, what was his 
What's his, what's his gig, <laughs> Headman? He's just into drugs and money? Or yeah, he, his, he's, right. a, he's a drug dealer, or drug manufacturer. Or drug Wearing dealer. a domino mask. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, fine. But he had ties to Cobra or not? In the animated series, uh, no, not directly. Uh, a Cobra character is buying drugs from him. And right, so okay. the Joes and the Cobras team up to stop him because drugs are bad. And... I was going to say a similar thing happens in the in the comics that that he's sort of selling drugs oh, in the, uh, the yeah to the to the Cobra kids uh, right. in uh, which which location is it? Broca Beach, um, is it? Broca Beach. Broca Beach. That's right. And and so yeah, the the sort of the Cobras don't want him there, and uh, the the GI Joe Drug Elimination Force uh, uh, sort of turn up and take them on and sort of kind of team up with the Cobras to to stop them. But he's got all so. his goons are wearing like pinstripes, and he's, that's right. He, he yeah, just had the feel of a of a classic Batman villain with with goons. <laughs> he does a bit, um, doesn't he? And so, berets. Yeah. So, um, Headman to me is is definitely a a cartoon villain because of that domino mask and because of the mm. pinstripe suit. And Gristle again, there's there's almost nothing written concerning him. Right, here we go. So I'd even forgotten that this existed. Uh, oh, it's a Bob McLeod cover. It um, is, yeah. Is, is that the cover that was available at the convention, or is that the cover that was available through it previews afterwards? was described as a Diamond Edition cover. Okay. All right, so a Diamond exclusive, So, which is to say the direct market. You could get it at a comic book store. You've got a snarl on that cover as well, look. So, um, <laughs> so uh, a couple years later uh, in the toy line, you know, for the for the G.I. Joe Collectors Convention, there's a box set. It's themed, and it has a bunch of Joes and Cobras, and they all have new color uh, schemes, and and uh, Gristle's one of them. So he does have a version two, and his colors are less crazy. I've got I've put it here, actually. Oh. Hold it up. Go. There we go. Right, there you go. Uh, I like this uh, emblem on his shoulder. Uh, it looks like a... On this image on the on the bot on the on the right hand side, it's kind of like a skull with almost like crossbow bolts through the yeah, skull. A, I think the, it's for the headhunters faction and a cobra uh, logo yeah. on the skull. So yeah. That. So basically, the way that I think of Gristle, uh, I also think his name is really funny because uh, Gristle is a is a gross thing, right? Because Gristle is you know oil and grease and and crusty burnt stuff on the bottom of your mm. cooking pan that you scrape off. And that's a perfect name for a Cobra character. And it feels like a name for a Dreadnought. And I sort of squint and this guy, he's not a Dreadnought, but he's kind of a Dreadnought, right? He's a criminal. Yeah, pretty adjacent, yeah. Yeah, and, and that second drawing Dreadnought that I, adjacent. <laughs> um, that, second, that second drawing that I did of him, uh, just the, the head and shoulder, you know, in my mind, I'm just drawing buzzer because that's a that's a light-haired cobra with some kind of ponytail and uh the way that i think about gristle is that um he's he's the cobra that almost was right if not for the convention he wouldn't even had a second figure he wouldn't have had any comic book appearances right mark am i mm. correct he he never shows up in devil's do because i know he never shows uh, up in ooh. in marvel or idw well we just saw he appeared on the cover didn't we of devil's Due? But that might be it. That might be it. One of the faces in the crowd 
uh, when they're trying to get cram in as many Cobra characters as they can. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, in 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 a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I don't so I don't recall his, him ever appearing in Devil's Year. How would his development uh, in terms of making a figure of him have gone? Would, would someone just said, "I got a crazy wacky idea. Let's make this guy," or what? What just just I'm just interested in these lesser known, um, you know characters how they get made this was the era that kurt groen was the lead figure designer um so i I don't know that i've seen gristle's sculpt figure input the turnaround right you know the pencil drawing uh where where uh that's given to the sculptor but uh my without my notes and my stuff in front of me my educated guess is that kurt groen designed this guy and uh, he was going to be part of DEF. He was going to be a bad guy. They already had a year of that. And so like a lot of Cobra, you give him uh, sort of attitude in his costume. So, you know, he's wearing this sort of leather vest, like chaps jumpsuit that also has this, I don't, I don't know what the texture, what the material of the yellow fabric is supposed to be, but maybe it's also leather. And he's got studs. If you look closely at his package painting, he's got He's got studs um, sort of on his shoulder and where the where the legging wraps around his, his thigh. And then, you know, like a lot of Cobras, he's got uh, two knives and he's got a little skull on his. Um, so, you know, he's a bad guy and he's not just a criminal because he's Cobra. He's a criminal because, you know, they sell drugs. And so uh, and then he's going to get some crazy weapons because that's the year of crazy weapons. Um, so <laughs> I, I think. Not in a bad way, nothing sort of special or out of the ordinary in terms of uh, designing the figure. You know, it's like this is a year with 20 or 30 new characters. So let's let's just design them. Yeah. But but my my sort of final thought here is that if I had come into G.I. Joe eight years later, this might have been my first Cobra. Right. Because, you know, like you, you might not believe this, but I had blonde hair. Right. He kind of has blonde hair. And, you know. I like neon yellow and red and this was a cool, you know, gross bad guy name. You know, it's like naming a bad guy, like, like mud puddle or vomit or flat tire. Yeah. Gristle. And so in my mind, you know, it's like, but, but he's also, he's also meant to be um, sort of repellent, you know, like his colors are garish. He's got this silly snarl and his, his file card says he doesn't bathe. He's not just that he's an individual like major major blood or scrap iron he's a commander he's important right he he's going to he's going to command people so just in that third word there for his specialty the toy package is telling you the kid what to do with him put him in charge and if you don't have cobra commander or serpentor uh or the overlord and you're playing with gi joe toys around 1993 you get gristle he can be in charge. That's really powerful. Oh, and uh, actually, while it's on my mind as well, I'll point out that where I'm sharing pictures of the turnarounds of the toys and the art of the figure, generally, I am using as my resource 3djoes.com. So if you uh, are not familiar with it, it is the place to go for all of the detail on the figures. They've got these amazing scans, amazing turnarounds, uh, it's yeah one of my very very favorite websites so 3djoes.com just to give them big props and kudos voltar this guy's so awesome 
Now, there he goes. is he Cobra? So what is Voltar? I think in the UK, he didn't, he didn't have an allegiance sort of named on his packet, as far as I can remember. Uh, I might be wrong on that. But if we skip ahead to his file card... Was he a Destro uh, flunky? He has got he has it's got Destro Flunky written on his file card. It says Iron Grenadiers. So he is uh the Iron Grenadier general, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, got a cool story in one of the special missions. It might be a two-parter. They're in I'm just gonna guess it's Southeast Asia somewhere. Um, and I'm sure there's a load of uh, Iron Grenadiers and demons and uh i forget most of the rest of the story so one of you boys can bail me out but you remember i know you remember <laughs> yeah, it oh, you're talk- is this is you're this talking it? about this one it's uh yeah. special missions 18 it's uh an issue it's the third part of a of a series of issues about uh snake eyes and a team of joes who are in a country uh, sort of in southeast asia ish uh, and and they've been on a mission in somewhere s- similar to Tibet, and then they're making their way back to an extraction uh, site in somewhere a little bit like Vietnam-ish. And uh, and as they are doing so, uh, they sort of get embroiled with this sort of fight between the local warlord, the uh, the Destro's sort of team, and with led by. Voltar and the uh, October Guards. So, so sort of, Joes are kind of caught in the middle and sort of being torn and pulled in different directions as to whether they intervene and blow their cover and put a potential extraction versus trying to do the right thing and uh, look after the the sort of the local uh, villager who's who's been hiding them in his uh, now, in his hut. Tim Tim made a good point on Gristle in that. The snarl on his face, the fact that his file card says he doesn't uh, bathe, leads you to believe he's a baddie. And you've got a visual cue here from Voltar. Look at that tash. I mean, if that is not a mustachio twirling villain, you know, it's 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 very powerful. How a few words or just a, a very small visual cue can lead you down a certain path. Um, but he <laughs> yeah, looks, it really he, is. he looks the mutts nuts, doesn't he? He looks he looks quality. I love I love the visual on Voltar. Yeah, I mean, he seems to not get a huge amount of love, but I think he's great. I think he looks, uh, I think he looks brilliant. And, uh, and I, I like and- the thing. Maybe it's explained here, but I like the fact that he's got this kind of ocular thing. And I don't know if it's explained or not, but I like it not being explained. So has he got uh, lost an eye, and it's kind of a replacement, or is it just some kind of telescopic mm. thing to aid in his his battlefield uh, IQ, so to speak, or you know? It's, not explained and i like the fact that you know make your own story up about what happened did his yeah. did his vulture take his eye out as <laughs> it comes it, down to perch and uh, i, I know. think of it in two ways one and I, I always forget this um voltar is he's an iron grenadier he's also apparently battle force 2000 which doesn't really make sense because Battle Force 2000 is definitely a sub-team for the Joes, and Hasbro's trying to have it both ways here by giving Battle Force 2000 its own villain. But there's nothing in the toy, in the story, right, the advertisement or the comics where Battle Force 2000 shows up that shows Voltar actually being their opposite number or, like, having a reason to be their opposite number. It's not like he's driving some vehicle that also has a piece that breaks off and becomes something. But yeah. I think his helmet 
to uh, Chief's point here, I think his helmet references the futuristic technology of Battle Force 2000. And then I think the color scheme that he has all this gold is referencing the uh, the new gold look for Destro once Destro has right. the Iron Grenadiers. Mm-hmm. And then very subtly, I think that the eye thing and this helmet on Voltar positions Voltar a little bit more like someone in Destro's family who's wearing a metal thing on his head, even if it's not covering up his face. I mean, that has to be the greatest uh, backpack accessory ever or greatest part of a backpack ever. A bird perch. Incredible. Is it actually actually an antenna or a microphone? That's what we thought of my brother and I. And I did not realize that one should put the bird there until 20 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I knew more than 20 seconds ago, but um, but I don't I. I don't think when I was actually playing with this figure that I realized it was meant to be a perch. I think I assumed it was like a, yeah, like a radio antenna or something. My brother will probably correct me. Peter, let me know what we thought, but I don't remember using it as a perch. We we turned the backpack 90 degrees. Yeah, Yeah, I think most people probably would have done. And you can still clip the bird on, but he's going to be at an angle. Doesn't Uh, Doesn't the bird clip to his wrist? Yeah, yeah, it can fit on his wrist as well, yeah. 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 He now he is tooled up there. It looks like he's got guns on his right and left leg, and also one on his chest. Is that a gold shooter on his chest as well? He's yeah, got three yeah. pistols. Yeah, yeah. So he's a man. You know, he's oh, not right. one of yeah, these yeah, generals yeah. just standing in the background. Yeah, over over you go there, troops. I'll stay back here in the in the hut with my tea. You know, he's. It looks like he's tooled up to actually go out there and lead the troops from the front. So lovely. Yeah. Look at that <laughs> art as well on that on that fire on the front. Uh, and it, his Fantastic. his gun is like this weird ornate thing as well. It's um quite unique. <laughs> it's got like a fin on the back, and but uh, yeah, it's no no mistaking who it belongs to. It's not one of these anonymous guns that's floating floating around in the box. Who on earth does you know, this belong to? It's yeah, you're not going to forget now, that. Now he's not too much of a weirdy, I don't think. Other than <laughs> the, well. I can know he looks obviously strange and futuristic, and he's got a vulture, which probably is enough to to justify the weirdo tag. He's purple. Um, he's got he's got a sort of a pirate eye gold pirate eye patch helmet thing and fin. He's got a vulture and a vulture backpack. You know now, what, what I more tell do you, you want? Hasbro missed a trick by not doing a pirate based figure. I know you you just kind of said he is there, but with a cutlass. And like a peg leg, I mean, oh, I could, I could see that. <laughs> well, there, well, there is Zanzibar is a pirate, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Voltar, to me, um, to to the point we were just making, if you if you step beyond the first two or three years, where you know the original Destro, um, you know he's he's lean and he's not. I mean, he's ostentatious because he has this mask, but sort of from the neck down, the toy. I don't mean the the cartoon or the painting. From the neck down, the toy is not at all ostentatious. He just looks like a secret agent. He's got the he's got the briefcase to prove it. Cobra Commander dressed up nicely from the neck down doesn't look ostentatious. But it's when they start acting in the show and you know in the in the comic book trying to take over the world. But by the time you get a couple years ahead, um, and the the toy designers are embracing more detail in the sculpt and. Uh, because the toy line has to compete with more and more other toy lines and because G.I. Joe's sliding towards science fiction, 
I think Voltar is is this. I don't want to say perfect, but he's this ideal convergence. If you're if you're going to go more ostentatious than 1982, 1983, this is this is spot on because he's got a color that says bad guy, right? He's red or he's blue or he's purple, magenta. Um, he's got the gold ornate stuff, which which means fancy. He does have all these weapons, right? All these extra pistols. He has an animal. He has a pet. Um, he's got uh, the mustache, right? Which says villain. He's got some kind of eye thing, eye patch, which says villain. Um, I actually imagine that he has his own demon that Destra has a demon, and then Voltar has his own demon. Yeah. And his vulture, like um, his dark materials. It's got oh. a demon, animal, oh, I haven't. vulture. I haven't. No, okay. That's that. Um, Let's skip even, past that. Even, and then to go even further on Tim's point, um, even his name, Voltar, it's not a word that's recognizable as. It's know, made up, isn't it? Made yeah. into a code name. It's, you know, is his name. General Volta is that his surname, his family name, or is it just I don't know? It's it's again more more for for the kid to play to play around with when you're using the character. And I it, love the fact that on his file card, it's a quote from Destro. You know, it's it's a named character giving you more information about this guy and basically telling you that he's a badass. He's he's not some clown or flunky. He's he's the real deal. This is a good reminder about his name because when this figure showed up in uh 80 what's this 88 89 um uh, it's got 87 yeah, i think on so card. it says 87 on the bottom of the card but i've got a feeling uh, it might he's, be he's an 80, 80, he's an 88 figure. yeah he's an 88 figure because all the movie guys are on the bottom half yeah um i think my brother and i sort of assumed that voltar as a word was not invented and meant something like bird of prey um but there is this very short but really satisfying uh, history in G.I. Joe and Hasbro um, copyright searches in the legal department for names that are made up words that sound awesome. Destro, Tomax, Zaymot, uh, Zartan, right? Xandar, Zorana, Voltar. Nice. Yeah. It's funny, Chief, you point out that quote at the bottom of Voltar's uh, card. He talks about... Destro is talking about Napoleon. Do you know that anecdote from Napoleon? The marshals of France extolling the tactical prowess of a certain young commander. The little corporal cut them off tersely. All very well and good, but tell me one thing. Is he lucky? And um, this is something that Dr. Mindbender quoted in the pages of A Real American Hero a couple of issues ago, if you recall. Um, and speaking of which, uh, yeah, how did Voltar fare in the pages of the book? So he was introduced in that Special Missions 18. Uh, he cropped up again in a couple of special missions, including ish issue 26. Look at uh, which is cut you off the there. That first panel, look at the, you know, the choice of color. Tim's a big color fan. And um, well, we all like color, I guess. But, um, you know, look at the background, the very muted blues, which enables Voltar to just stand out in this mm. this this hot pink and gold. It's just, um, yeah, he, he's front and center in this for sure. Um, so this is the this is the issue with the ill-fated uh, mission for the October Guard, where 
they uh, died uh, for the first time. <laughs> so uh, before being uh, brought back in the pages more recently. And that storyline then continued in the pages of the regular book. This is issue 92. Uh, I think that's Bright, Mark Bright on, on pencils there. Uh, Voltar in general mode, commanding a uh, legion of iron grenadiers and uh, assortment of demons and, and I, those are annihilators on the bottom right, I think. Mark, yeah. Voltar has not shown up since the 90s uh, in the Marvel run, right? We have not seen him in the IDW run. Yeah, and there's a reason for that, Tim. We'll get to that at the end, towards the end of the episode, that some of the some of these more fanciful characters haven't shown up so much recently. And uh -huh. there is a reason. And, so and we'll, look we'll how he's drawn the backpack. Look how he's drawn the backpack. Antenna up. Oh, antenna up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you would... You would want to have it up if the if the vulture isn't actually you know hitching a ride because otherwise it would just yeah. you know getting through doors, big. yeah. You know, have to go in sideways everywhere and stuff. So um, <laughs> a bit inconvenient. Who's our next <laughs> crazy cobra? Bring him our back. Next Bring one him back. up. Bring him back. Is uh, is uh, 1987? It's the year of the weird. So so sort of talking to your point, Tim, that. That things just suddenly started getting a little bit weirder. You know, we had started off GI Joe in in eighty two with a team of uh, guys, mostly in very similar green cobras, mostly in very similar blue. You know, we had an introduction of introduction of you know more sort of individual, unique characters, but still quite grounded, still in those core characters <laughs> colors. You know, Firefly. You know, very militaristic. You know, the greys, the camouflage. Scrap iron, you know, blues and reds of Cobra. Um, it's funny you say Destro being very subtle because, you know, uh, if your interpretation is that he's got an open shirt down to his chest, it's a little bit more fanciful, but um, <laughs> not everybody visualises it as as being bare skin underneath. And then things just sort of got, yeah, more individualistic up until I think the, the we got to 87. That's when it we got, kind of got the the year of the, the weird and, and all of the Cobra characters were just a little bit more out there, you know, the likes of Dr. Mindbender, Bats, Techno Vipers in the purple, but, uh, you know, Cobra Commander in his battle armor, Crystal Ball, Big Boa, Raptor, uh, Crocmaster. So, so we're going to linger on a few characters from uh, this period uh, in the next couple of choices. First choice up, uh, Crocmaster. Now, what do you think that that Eye of Sauron on his belt buckle, what do you think that <laughs> actually is? Like in, not not the toy, not what plastic it is, but what that character, that real life croc master, what has he made that out of? I feel like hmm. that's, you know, amber or some transparent, not plastic, but something, you know, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a precious stone, but it's something um a little valuable and uh, it's like a giant marble so i i feel like if you're standing in front of the real guy it would the way that when you hold a marble and you can sort of see through it as space and if it's got like a pattern you can see dimensionality to it i feel like that the black sort of pupil thing would be a, a shape you can sort of see in space as you move around it mm. and it's meant um, to, i guess conjure up the idea of an eye but i don't think he's he's got an actual giant croc's eye on his 
felt. No, because that would have uh, <laughs> decomposed quite rapidly, I imagine. <laughs> I feel like without trying to, 4% of this action figure wandered in from another toy line, and that's in humanoids. That that if you sort of mm. squint and you sort of you think about the feeling of Crocmaster, right? Crocmaster is dread and foreboding, right? He's in the, I, I mean, you know, not not the not the Herb Trimpey drawing on the left, which is like <laughs> very, which is like kind of pleasant, you know? It's like that's a fun bad guy. And it looks like a wrestler in that Herb. Yeah, Trimpey yeah, but but there's there's so much um, uh, in the was it the second story arc that IDW published in. G.I. Joe Origins, no, G.I. Mm -hmm. Joe Cobra, excuse me, uh, the, main, the, the monthly series after the two miniseries. So the, the Chuckles arc took a break. And yeah, yeah right? Is, but, is, that when yeah. He, is that when he shows up, Crocmaster? I think I was going to mention mm -hmm. that as well, right. because that's an interesting, almost, you know, retelling of, uh, of his origin uh, for a different continuity, where he's the kid, isn't he, on the croc farm, and he ends up feeding yeah. his dad to the crocodiles. Mm -hmm. Um, and then takes on that gig. Um, so yeah, yeah that this was, is that's, 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 yeah, this um, is the case where, where the, I... you know you see. Whereas the Marvel character, although he appears in a few um, issues, Cobra, um, the Cobra Island War, and all that kind of stuff, he's not fleshed out or anything. But that IDW series really gave him a background, and you know he's a proper psycho. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want to mess with him. But um, yeah, it's and. Also, the, the way his eyes, the, the, the figure, um, look at his eyes. They're, they're kind of almost non-human in their kind of shape and the angle Angular. on the toy. They're very kind of diagonally down-facing. Um, you know, yeah, they're kind uh, of like sort of red Batman sort of triangle yeah. slits, aren't they, really? They've shaped his head very kind of almost cleverly to, to make it, even though it is humanoid, obviously, it's just got something a little bit wrong with it, something a little bit almost alien mm. Uh, about mm. about his head sculpt which... there's a, a figure like this e even the not um uh creepy foreboding psychopath from idw the sort of like normal creepy guy from the marvel run if you so this is also fun and and creepy in its own way it's it's much more sort of a normal creepy and what i love about this character is that in cobra hasbro and the, the people who make stories after uh, Marvel and IDW and you know artwork that comes after, even within Cobra, you have someone who is an other. That you have the, these bad guys in this terrorist army, and then you have this this particular bad guy who's sort of even too weird for Cobra, too dangerous for Cobra, or just too much of a loner, right? So he's not he's not gonna. He's not going to come into the terradrome and take a shower or <laughs> re references to cobras who do or don't bathe aside. He's not going to come into the terradrome to like change his gear or like get a machine gun or like punch out for the day and then get on a ferret and drive home. Like this guy just lives outside, yeah. right? Like I don't think he has friends. Like most of Cobra doesn't like the dreadnoughts. And I actually think most of Cobra is big enough that. Most of Cobra doesn't know who the Dreadnoughts are. I think we only know who they are because we see the story that's told sort of in the command center with Cobra Commander and Baroness. But if you are a Viper who works at the Terradrome, 
you have heard of Crocmaster and you don't want to run into him. He's not going to kill you. He's not going to feed you to his alligator or crocodile, excuse me. But he's sort of an urban legend around uh, the terror drone. And if you run into him, you've you've trespassed. Yeah. You know, it's, in, it's interesting that in kind of in his appearances in the comic, he was definitely kind of a security, you know, head of security or, or something like that, I'm sure. But on the front of the toy, it says uh, reptilian or reptile trainer. So mm. no mention of security or any position of um, authority or anything. He's literally there to train the reptiles. Now, in my mind, I like the fact that there's more reptiles. He's training lizards and he's training turtles and, you know, he's, he's not <laughs> just training. Um, otherwise, it would say, otherwise, it would say a crocodile trainer. And, and you know, do, do these reptiles belong to Cobra or are they his own? I don't know. It's So here again, it's, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying that the toys and the comic have to follow exactly the same train of, of storytelling or play, but it's, it's kind of cool. You get this figure, if you don't know, you haven't seen his appearances in the comic, you're like, oh, cool, he's the reptile trainer. So he's got a mini zoo, you know, in my mind. He's got, <laughs> he's got a, you know, he's got some kind of base of operations where he is training uh, reptiles not necessarily in front uh, in charge of security warding off joes and things so plenty of options for play styles what they've done is they've given him a job title which has given him plenty of scope to grow within that role i think what you that is how they'd sell it in the in the job interview <laughs> very very cool um appearance for Crocmaster in um the G.I. Joburg in S-Jub's uh, Renegades play motion. Um, oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, he, he, fantastic appearance from him there. But yeah, he's definitely a weirdo, I think. Yeah. And and yeah, sort of very different takes between the continuities. Slight played slightly more for comic relief in the in Marvel continuity. But oh, still uh, yeah, creepy. Much... Still, as Tim pointed out, still creepy. He's 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 going to sleep with his reptiles in the swamp. And he's kind of screeze talking their language. It's, it's still creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say de definitive appearance so far is probably the Cobra series. Yeah, not to be disloyal to Ara, which is generally my favourite. But yeah, it was a good it was a good spotlight on this particular character and it and an interesting this, take. This piece What's this of one art? on the right. Yeah, is this from one of the trading card games? The online. Uh, yeah, this I think is some some art from the battle. Uh, was it called Battle Files? Battle something uh, online trading card game uh, where uh, they 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 made art for almost multiple pieces of art for almost every single character <laughs> across the the whole uh, line. So because you know they just wanted to stack it with a really rich set of uh, characters that that could be collected as these cards. Um, so that one was based on a later version of the toy, I believe. And, Quick uh, question just... about the um, about the toy, the the, the the middle image, if you will. Um, this is just a breathing apparatus for him to be able to go underwater in the swamp, or is it? He's got breathing diff. He's got asthma, and it's a, a breathing aid for him out of the water. I don't know. Legitimate question. Gonna, where does I'm it gonna... go? What what does it attach to? Uh, doesn't it attach to uh, his he, shoulder? Yeah, he doesn't have a backpack, right? I think I think it's implied that. Uh, is it implied that he? Mm. Uh, so here, my take is that um, that there's something so wrong with him. He's kind of become a, a crocodile, and so 
uh, he needs it to breathe. That's that's how I think of it. But that's only to make him more of a of a horror character. And and I'm I'm perfectly fine with the, sort of the everyday explanation that he spends most of his time underwater and he needs to breathe air. But since he doesn't have airtight backpack or uh, cobra eels backpack, you know. I, there's there's an important cue that's missing and so i think it actually adds to the sort of yeah weird strangeness of him i, I like mm. it that it's like some kind of health issue that he he requires this to to breathe properly kind of darth vader-ish kind of thing going on yeah next up is one of my favorites here so this is raptor one of the one of the most wild and wacky of the cobras i'd say he's sort of bare-chested he's got a falcon kind of mask he's got a necklace he's got a sort of a backpack which is actually sort of fake bird wings for him to kind of flap about in with with fabric which is quite unusual for joe's as well and then he's got again his pet bird he's got you know a big old buckle on his belt he's got kind of falcon feet on his on his feet and so as a toy, he's is quite out there, quite wild. But what appeals to me about the character specifically is kind of the connection to the toys and how somehow they were able to take this toy and craft some interesting stories. So um, I'll just ling linger on the um, linger on the toy briefly if you wanted to chip in with some words before we look at the uh, look at the actual comic. And you obviously associate with him because you're also a character. <laughs> Now, do you have this kind of get up in your wardrobe when the missus <laughs> is not around you're kind of dressing up as a vulture maybe or a i don't know so i think it's i think it's important when when looking at a toy like this to put your mind to go back in time to you know 19 it's early 1986 and uh hasbro has finalized the figure and they maybe they have a name or they have a placeholder name and they have uh maybe they have a specialty they probably have a specialty and they know that he's not going to be a vehicle driver right because he's sort of is gimmicky enough that he doesn't need a vehicle it flap and then it hits up against the glass of the canopy right. and wouldn't work so they send this artwork to this freelance writer in new york who comes up with characterization uh, and and suggests names for each toy. And this guy is also already writing the monthly comic book. And, okay, so pretend you're that guy in New York, right? And you get this guy in a crazy bird suit. You can go one of several different ways. You can uh, go sort of fantastic. It's like, he's part bird, right? If you get the Crocmaster design, right, you might... It's like, oh, um, like a different version of the croc of the Crocmaster file card is like one of Dr. Mindbender's experiments gone wrong. Croc Crocmaster is uh, a cobra eel whose was DNA crossbred with a, a crocodile and is turned into an obedient cobra reptilian monster, right? So you could say that Raptor is actually a birdman. You could say that he's a guy who is crazy and thinks he's a bird or or he's a tax accountant incredible to me this is two things this is both a part of larry hama the writer making gi joe sort of uh less less uh serious and less vicious 
which happens a lot, but also funny and and snarky and I don't want to say cynical, but a certain kind of savvy because this file card is really funny. And it's actually much funnier if, if you are, I mean, as a kid, like my brother and I were playing with this toy and we were not going to say that he was a yuppie tax consultant. My brother gave him, my brother gave him uh, an, an AK-47 from accessory pack four and uh, he took the wing backpack off and we were off the races. And the fact that in the comics, Raptor does so much interesting stuff with Fred the Seventh adds a lot of legitimacy to this character, however you approach him. But to, to me, this is just really funny. Like, no, he's not crazy. Like, what's that line at the end of the file card, right? This is an ends to a mean. And, and if you're thinking like, come on, he's a guy in a bird suit. It's like, no, Cobra is already very ostentatious, right? Dr. Mindbender has a has a stereotypical villain mustache, doesn't wear a shirt, has a metal codpiece, and wears a giant cape, right? He has, he has high boots, right? And Tomex and Zamot are circus acrobats who also, and this is a Larry Hama thing, are businessmen. So I think this is, I don't want to say this is the, actually the only way you could go, but I think this is this is a way that actually opens it up a lot more because it's more interesting if he's not crazy yeah i mean just look at the picture on that file card of his the headdress it looks like he's taken a real bird and he's done some taxidermy <laughs> and he's crafted this real bird's head on top of his head it's incredible and i'm sure that there were some people some kids who who played him as if he could fly because that that yeah of course cape he's got on the action figure in the comic, it looks more like a cape, but on the action figure, it looks more like almost a glider-ish kind of, you know, he could jump from the top of a hill and he can fly down that hill. Um, was it an ultralight aerofoil right. system? Yeah. Now, I don't know if he does much flying in the comic. I don't remember him doing any no, using no, that. No, not in the comics, no. those That means, but for the toy, yeah, let's get this guy gliding and flying and dive-bombing people. Um <laughs> But he's in like Tim said, he's integral to a massive storyline in the comic. You know, he he's used as you know a real big uh, linchpin in that storyline. Um, without you know, because he un uncovers so much. There's another reason why my brother and I. Uh, sorry, um, another reason why my brother and I were. Um, I'm going to interrupt myself. The what are we looking at? The cover of is at 59. Uh, that 59, is 59. Yeah. Okay. So even if you think this guy is silly, the fact that he's on a cover elevates him. The fact that Mike Zek draws him elevates him. And this, this cover got a, got a commercial. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the cover is advertising one, two, three, four, five, six different toys. The, the commercial is advertising six different toys. And Raptor's, he's in the foreground, right? <laughs> and... You know, there are certain artists who, if you draw an, ostent an ostentatious costume, um, it may not get elevated. It may get sort of lowered in, in esteem. Uh, if Mike Zek draws a, a Birdman with a pistol, right? Yeah, if, you, if you've if you never seen, if you're not aware of this character and you see that on the comic book shelf, he looks like a badass. Yeah, yeah. You're like, tell me about <laughs> Birdman. A Hawkman or something. It's, yeah. Let's check out that, that commercial. It's the joke. 
Coach, where's the new Cobra Commander? Here, with the new Cobra Pogo! Now it's in front of you, now it's behind! Raptor, let's take off and attack! Cobra! Joe's got trouble, he's not in bed! Cobra's got a Pogo, and it's up his man! Right back, you and Tunnel Rack set up a slam defense! Run for the Cobra! Yeah, a teeny oh tiny bit of flapping towards the end. Yeah. I mean, I don't is know he... what he is feeding them Falcons, but they were able to pick up Joe's out of their vehicle and actually carry him off. They are strong. Uh, Chief said an important word, and I was going to say, I think, a helpful word. Chief said Hawkman. Like, he looks like a Hawkman, and she said it generically. There is a rich decades-long history in comics before this character shows up of a guy who looks a lot like that as a superhero. And so a certain population of the comic book reading public, I think, is already ready for a Joe like this. And also, mm. I always forget this, there's a 1981 Walt Disney live-action movie called Condor Man. Oh, a, with Michael Crawford. About a superhero who wears a condor suit which looks a lot like raptor and yeah. my brother and i had already been renting this on vhs from our video rental store and so um you know croc, croc master looks kind of like an alligator a guy and then and then raptor it looks like a bird guy like well, i no, actually I think actually, i think it works I actually, I actually thought he looks like is it carter hull what's it is carter uh the actual DC Hawkman, um, yeah, yeah, rather than right, yeah, I think it's Carter Hall or something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, Carter Hall. Apologies, DC. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got it. Apart from the mate who swapped out a mace, uh, just for for a, for a pistol, <laughs> yeah. they should have given him a mace, uh, but maybe they'd have got sued. Copyright yeah. infringement there. I think a little bit too much. But, but um, also, this... what, what is what does Fred say here? Why is this guy dressed up like a bird? He's a nutcase, it's right? Right. What's he doing loose? Uh, what's he doing running loose without a straitjacket? Um, oh no, Cobra Commander says that's that. Cobra Commander says right. that, and then Fred and then... says, uh, he happens to be a first rate accountant, and his work with Birds of Quay is, is quite so. Hama <laughs> is Hama is for a moment having it both ways. He's saying, yeah, Okay, yeah, I yeah. know what your comment is going to be, kids who think that, that this isn't realistic enough. Let me talk you down. But yeah. that, that yeah. last Cobra Commander line is delicious as well. He said, This bird brain is crazier than Dr. Mindbender. I'm sick and tired of wackos in funny suits. What are you <laughs> sleeping? A nest! <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and it, uh, it also strikes me that maybe he has got a storied, not well-known, but um, available history of his bird training because, you know, Fred Seven saying, and his work with Birds of Prey is quite, you know, so maybe there is a back catalogue of, you know, he's a, a former world-renowned bird trainer. Yeah, let's let's fill in that blank. Uh, we'll do take it in turns. Let's go three. Uh, so he happens to be a first-rate accountant, and his work with Birds of Prey is quite blank. In Tim. Impressive. Chief. Uh, ostentatious. <laughs> Mark. Sexy. Someone was going to say sexy, <laughs> and uh, so so yeah, he, we sort of alluded to it. He was he's this silly character. He's been brought into this quite important storyline in in the pages of Ara, where you know Cobra Commander's at this pivotal turning point. He's sort of you know come across his uh, long lost son, who he had thought was had died, and he's 
contemplating leaving Cobra, uh, and and we're introduced to Fred as a character who eventually you know takes over as Cobra Commander and tries to you know pretend that he's he's the the, the original Cobra Commander and, and so on. So it's quite a pivotal turning point moment that and and Raptor plays a a key part. Uh, of it and oh um, this bit yeah that's quality where he's winging that thing and gives him this the scent or the yeah yeah, yeah he's yeah, just tracking down that. the joes and uh he gets uh this this uh sort of model of the of the art uh, the apc and he's sort of wearing it around for for the uh the falcons to 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 sort of go where and, did he um, get that because he says see this model <laughs> of a joe vehicle it's like he's quickly whipped it up in his wood shop like i went to the toy store and i bought yeah. it um yeah the lure that is yeah, what he calls it isn't it and they sort of introduced this little sort of quirk this tick of uh, his catchphrase as well where he pretty much says yes or yes 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 <laughs> or a bit bit jeff, jeff jeff goldblum potentially isn't it oh yes 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 um and uh as a, as a catchphrase which uh which sort of uh yeah sort of features in most of his his dialogue in his uh handful of uh appearances there's a, yeah only a f- only a handful of of uh, appearances really uh of of in the in the main book hither and thither um given that we're talking about these two guys uh, t- together crockmaster mm. and uh and and raptor i thought i'd just mention that uh, they do appear in the idw book scarlet strike force it was kind of slightly ill-fated book that was cancelled before it was even came came out but uh going again delving into a bit more of the weird and wacky of gi joe so if that is your bag then i think that era of gi joe is is one to look out it's not for everybody but this, uh, uh there this, we go this arc this arc didn't even finish no they was it three uh, issues they got to it's there's Something a like there's, there's a special there's the mask special which is like another issue and then there's just the three issues and the paperback collection has the special and then one and two and three. And the final page is sort of the new cover commander saying, you know, like we're going to get them. And then there was never another issue. Um, mm. Great cartooning in this arc. And, uh, but yes, this, this is a version of the GI Joe team running around with a Decepticon on the team. Uh, so yes. maybe maybe not maybe not for everyone. This happens post revolution that that crossover. If that, you're has the, where they sort Hasbro verse everything Hasbro-verse. all mushed together. Yeah. Right. Okay. Who is up next? It's Crystal Ball. So uh, Crystal Ball is a fascinating sort of character. He's got uh, this amazing kind of backstory of how he came about, which varies in the telling somewhat. Um, that uh, that Stephen King and or his son came up with the the character and and the the file card um, on the basis of yeah something that they'd uh, one of one or two of them created maybe one of them more so than others but yeah who knows and uh, kind of uh, as part of that them them coming up with this this character uh, his son also uh, ended up. Uh, being given the privilege of having his file name on a uh, sneak peek, which was uh... Tim. Do you remember off his first name off the top of your head? Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. No. Oh, I, no. Say, I say no slowly enough. You can go- Google it. <clears throat> <laughs> no. 
And it was. Uh, here we go. Owen King. Here is another cobra whose action figure is grimacing. Hmm. In the, in yeah. The skull. And also, I think Crystal Ball is the oldest character in all of G.I. Joe who gets an action figure. In terms of his age? His, his age, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I've not thought about that before. Because, you know, I, I mean, it's sort of like how when you're in school as a kid, you assume all your teachers know each other and like each other, and neither is actually true necessarily. And hmm. as a kid, I, I didn't think about how old all the shows were, but if you'd asked me, I would have probably sort of guessed they were all like 25 and like the same age, but like, no, some of the shows are 24 and some of them are 30 and some of them are 42 and Hawk is probably 50, but Crystal Ball has white in his hair. Yeah. yeah he's quite yeah, Dr. True. Strange light, isn't he? Um, <laughs> he is a bit, a a bit, bit like um, in design. Craven the Hunter as well. Yeah, yeah. I get some uh, vibe as well. And mm. kind of sword and sorcery a little bit as well. Kind of a mishmash of, of a few things going on there. Um, I don't know much the... about this guy because I never had the action figure and he was never in any of the Marvel comics, was he? So, but he appeared. Oh, was he? Or was he? Oh, no, he, he was yeah, in a yes. special mission, wasn't he? Ladies' Day. That's right. Yeah. He appeared in special <laughs> missions, Ladies' Day, which was not presented and not written by uh, Larry Hammer. I think uh, Trimpe, Trimpe, wasn't it? Trimpe written, wasn't it? And so the it, the tone of the issue is somewhat different to a, a standard uh, G.I. Joe adventure, I would say. <laughs> a little bit different. And and so it, it features both uh, Crystal Ball in his only Marvel appearance, as well as uh, Raptor, who, who, who actually does keep up with his catchphrase in his appearance. Yes, yes. 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 Um, I was going to mention as well that the the stylings of uh, Crystal Ball seem to draw a little bit of influence from the uh, actor Vincent Price as as well. So uh, I think more more than a little of the DNA in there. We should but say, he did, one... but he did show up um, in quite a few issues of the IDW. Ara, am I right? Yeah, he even, did. Even two months ago, Hama has said right. he he likes this character now. Yeah, after not liking him at all when he was first introduced, he sort of somehow uh, grown on him. Um, um, can you can you go back to slow? Sorry, sorry, we're talking about the comic. Go for it. <laughs> I was just going to say that that his in his uh, appearance when he was reintroduced into the uh, IDW Larry Hammer era, this 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 appearance where. Uh, Firefly recruits him for a mission. It's uh, it's brilliant. He's sort of introduced. He's somewhere in the southern United States in in this sort of psychic shop and you know giving ropey readings uh, to to people. Uh, but they're not the typical tall, dark, and handsome wish fulfillment. He's talking to this lady. Says, "You will meet a short, pasty-faced sewage worker with marginally acceptable looks. Who short, pasty-faced, marginally acceptable? What happened to tall, dark, and handsome?" I tell it like it is, lady. I'm no mere charlatan. And then Firefly interrupts. Get out. You don't have a future, you pathetic cow. You only have a tomorrow full of regret and unfulfilled promises. 
<laughs> this is just uh this is Larry Hammer's, you know, dialogue at its greatest, I think. He just has an ear for these these kind of <laughs> when he gets to insulting. <laughs> and uh Crystal Ball shows up recently too. He's in Yeah, so so he he's in... he's features in this this arc as they're sort of raiding the the Chrysler building and using his hypno shield and sort of leaning a bit into his abilities. Uh, appears as a John Royal cover, and then in sort of the next we see him really as Snake Hunt. So he's uh, sort of working on the side for Zartan and uh, in Mufti as a pizza delivery driver for Braco Bros Pizzas. And he's uh, got a miniature little uh, charm to to hypnotize people with. Uh, so so yeah, it's, not I, forgotten I, about I, him. Just a quick sidetrack. Um, are there any anagrams of Cobra that haven't been used yet? <laughs> I doubt it. Okay. So this comic appearance, I loved that he was doing recon uh, at the edge of Springfield as this pizza delivery guy. I was a little sad that he wasn't in costume because even though characters need to be out of costume if they're going to dinner, sort of in, the, in their civilian life, or if they're in disguise... A character doesn't have as much power for me if they're wearing a t-shirt and a sleeveless vest, mm-hmm. right? Yes, of course it's crystal ball, but it's, it's not really crystal ball unless he's got his crazy thing and his crazy thing and his crazy thing. Um, it, looks so, like <laughs> suddenly, it looks like he's suddenly gone to the gym and he's de-aged a little bit. And uh, the only reference point, well, not the only one, but the way you can tell it's crystal ball is just because he's got the mini amulet. Otherwise, without that, you know, you could easily think that's not crystal ball. I am okay with him getting de-aged because the, you know, the continuity of real American hero, you know, it's, it's, it's another year further out from the Vietnam conflict. Uh, Don Marino is old enough to join the Joes. She was just Cobra youth. Sean Collins, you know, is the son of a contemporary of the Joes. Now he's a Joe. I'm okay with it. But in terms of the toy, something that we should say, and I think we sort of always, we always, we all know this and we forget to say it out loud. Crystal Ball's shield has uh, a lenticular sticker on it. And we have seen this um, on Lightfoot's little tank, and we've seen it on Charbroil's backpack, and we've seen it on the bat's chest piece. Ooh, uh, look at that. So there are these. It's the kind of, there are these little plastic ridges. It's the kind where if you drag your fingernail across it, um, you can feel the texture. And the ridges of plastic are cut at angles. And so depending on what angle you look at this image, you either see uh, one image or another or another or another. Comic book fans, uh, you saw this on the Dan Jurgens cover to Sensational Spider-Man Zero during the Clone Saga. And... I think of I think of all of the uses for those GI Joe stickers, you know, like a little bit on a backpack or a tiny tank that's kind of like a backpack. That's a great added detail, and certainly the sort of depth you see in the bat's chest piece um, adds a lot of sort of play value. Mm. But I think I think if I had to pick one, this is the best because it you immediately understand this guy's going to hypnotize me. <laughs> like this is you know it's. We're we're dealing with sort of a trope and a stereotype, you know. Like he's got a mustache. He's he's got this. He's got these sort of cues in his hair and his costume, right? 
and you know the painting does a lot of the work the uh the hector garrido package painting but this guy is definitely here to hypnotize you if there's one thing you know like this isn't this isn't like like if you think of his shield as an accessory that like accidentally got packed with the terror drone like this isn't like on a tabletop and Cobra's looking at a map or something, and it's interactive, you know, like, we're going to attack here. No, we're going to attack here. It's like, no, I know what that pattern is. That pattern is only to hypnotize me. Is he one of the only figures that didn't come with a handheld weapon? Yes. Maybe? Okay. Hmm. Good point, Chief. Yeah, I've never no, just, I, I'd never spotted that before. Just looking at the packaging now, it's like okay, yeah, fine. It doesn't seem to be. You know, I, obviously, obviously, not everyone comes with a a gun, but some of them come with things that they hold, which do things. Uh, but yeah, just a shield, which is. I would have to guess that as the budget, the production budget for that year's line of loose figures, it's like okay, we're going to spend a little bit more on sneak peek and fast draw because they have more gear and it's bigger and it's heavier sneak peeks gigantic telescope thing and fast draws mm. gigantic backpack and you know some of these guys come with pets it's more plastic more plastic is is more more pieces to make and also it's heavier in the shipping and i i would guess that if they make one character a little heavier a little more intensive a little more expensive they can make another character uh, a little yeah, a little less expensive, a little a little lighter. Because hmm. I mean, Crystal Ball, he could have a pistol. You know, like takes what takes away from his primary ability, though, that, doesn't it? I think. Yes, that's a good point. It may also, yes, that may be sort of the story logical reason. The other thought I had, uh, looking back to this Hector Garrido painting, there is a wonderful bit of red light that has cast on the left side of Crystal Ball's face in this painting, which seems to be coming from the shield itself, even though the shield is in front of him mm. and sort of realistically might not do. Uh, actually, I guess if, I guess it's, if it's against. He's kind of, he's sort of slightly looming over it, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but you see, you see the pink on the bottom of his outstretched hand and you see there's, there's that pink and red on the left side of his face. And, uh, but then there's that yellow light from the explosion you know, see the off-camera explosion that's on the other side uh, of his of his face. Yeah, very cool. I like the it's bit not. of text at the top of the um, card which says uh, snap-on, stay-on accessories, uh, <laughs> as opposed to snap-on, fall-off accessories. Fall-off, yeah. yeah. He's got red eyes as well. I hadn't really thought about this. In in the toy, but, too. In the toy oh, and really? the card art, yeah. That's uh, pretty yeah. wild. I think I think my brother and I I wanted this when when new figures came out my brother and I would look on the back and we'd call them like oh I get this yeah. guy well I get this guy I get I get this guy and I I definitely called Crystal Ball and my brother was fine to let that one go because <laughs> this guy doesn't come with a machine gun or a backpack and he's not realistic. Mm. Oh, one last thing just to highlight again. We've got the ah, yes. IDW Cobra book where uh, uh, Crystal Ball played a, a quite a, a large role and seemingly uh, seemingly inspired by uh, the comics writer uh, Alan Moore in his look and his kind of metallic kind of finger ring glove things on his uh, 
on his uh, fingers there. But um, let's we won't linger on this. But yeah, another another great and very different take on the on the character. Uh, if you take nothing else away from this, um, you know, I'd say go and go and check out the the Cobra run by Costas and Gage, Chris, Christos Gage. Gage and Mike Costa. Antonio and, Fuso, uh, is it? And Antonio Fuso on on most of the the art for for that that run. Yeah, great, 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 great run. Yeah, outside of the hammer written stuff, probably uh, my favorite. Uh, uh, so, yeah, second second favorite on the list, perhaps. So uh, next up, final one of the evening, Chief. This one was the one that you were going to pick as your go to guy for your selection. Big Boa. What is it about Big Boa that connects for you? Um, I was always uh, well. I used to watch quite a lot of boxing um, with my dad and my friends. Used to come around for for big fights, probably up until I was about sort of fourteen or fifteen, between the age of like ten and then. But also big Rocky fan from a movie point of view. And so you know, any character that is wearing boxing gloves and has a a singular kind of not motive but a singular um skill set or mm. like kind of croc master reptile trainer or you know raptor unique um, idiom yeah. yeah 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 and it's just interesting to think that cobra is employing this guy to whip the troops <laughs> into shape so yeah and, and and again another very interesting take of this character from the idw continuity where he's doing a similar thing but a little bit different but the characters a lot more cerebral uh and just fleshed out a bit more which i guess they had the the, the time and the want to do but yeah how much does he appear in the marvel era run again not much even less will, than Brock master i will show you the amount that he appears on the marvel era run look at which that is... god piece incredible love it <laughs> It is this page in uh, the oh, is that it? <laughs> Order of Battle, in the is that? in the Order of Battle guidebook. Yeah, one page, and and the story is that yeah, it was presented alongside uh, Rocky, who uh, is not showing on the screen because of my blooming uh, logo in the top right hand corner. Was Rocky later redacted from? Uh, yeah, the yeah so he appeared. He appeared in an issue and then was redacted. Uh, and it was all because, uh, so he was going to, you know, I think the idea was that he was going to be the villain opposite uh, Rocky as the the Joe, but as yeah. a very, and and Marvel sort of ran it in the order of battle slightly prematurely before all of the paperwork had been signed. And at the very last minute, he, you know, Sylvester Stallone signed up a deal with a rival toy manufacturer, was it Calico? Oh, to do the Rambo figures. To do a set of Rambo figures, so that it was. A, I guess yeah. the appeal is that it was a, instead of him being a single figure in the GI Joe line, it could be a a whole line of figures uh, for him to to have uh, for for his own line. So uh, Calico, uh, Calico. I think a lot of I think a lot of people that uh, use don't they use the Rambo fifty cal for roadblock um, on the classified line? I'm sure early on right, someone was okay. saying a replacement. 50 cal for when roadblock first came out from that classified line he had the futuristic gun i think a good replacement was one of yeah, the rambo yeah. figures um I see. weapons but yeah i mean look at him he's uh, again it's just a ridiculous looking figure <laughs> that's fantastic uh futurized helmet weird angles slopes and stuff going on everywhere just why has he got it on i just don't I, why you know <laughs> amateur boxing they wear headgear 
he's got headgear, but it's you know how are you how are you hurting him in in the ring if he's got a helmet on? It's just I don't get it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're getting in a fight to, with him and you you go by the name of uh, Bazooka in the IDW comics, then you would try and yeah hit him out about the head with wait your minute, bazooka to try and knock him out. Jeez, look at that middle picture. He looks, or the one on the right, he looks absolutely, you know, diabolical, doesn't he? He looks demonic almost. But um, did he not come with boxing gloves as, as the actual? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, he yeah, yeah. Okay. he did. Were they just he hidden did. in the so, package? So, all right, yeah, all right. so funny that you say, yeah, that uh, Crystal Ball, one of the few figures without oh, a yeah, gun. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Another figure here, he came with um, boxing gloves and a, and a sort of um, punching bag thing. Yeah, with Joe on it. Punching bag with stand. <laughs> when i saw this figure i knew i had Joe. to own it because i like i like magenta and fuchsia as a color and so here was this gi joe toy that had it but the gloves were such a different kind of accessory and they work yeah. so well they slide on they stay on we can also pull them off They're, it's not like two pieces that clip together they don't like just stick on the top half and then you can see his fingers on the bottom, mm. you know, like yeah. clip on Wolverine claws or anything like that for some and toys. The size is really good. A lot of, you know, weapons in the GI Joe world maybe are oversized and look a bit silly, but here this, they look great. They look perfectly proportioned. Um, look at the size of his quads. He's absolutely and ripped. He's ripped. He's yeah. ripped. Uh, and, and the helmet to chief's point about the helmet before like with Crocmaster, it makes him less human yeah. because mm. we can see he's a he's a human because we can see skin, but then we we don't ever get to see his face, and so that begs questions. Mm. You know, is yeah, how, yeah. why is he breathing through this mask? Is it you know is it oxygen? Is he scarred? Is it more about anonymity? If it's about anonymity, there are some, you know, why do you have this evil-looking red visor? Right, it's almost um, Cylon-esque, isn't it? It's almost uh, taking yeah. a page from the Cylons. It's, it's fantastic. And I love the idea that a figure that's not necessarily going to go out in combat is limiting. You know, like maybe you don't stick him on the back of the Hiss or the side of the Rage to go attack show headquarters. Maybe mm. you do. Um, but, you know, and you take off his boxing gloves. And, hey, we, we had another accessory pack four. So my brother, uh, interestingly, someone gave my brother Big Boa, so we both had Big Boa. But my brother uh, kept his gloves off and gave him an AK-47. Uh, <laughs> I think come with the Cobra officer. And um, But I love the idea that back at Cobra headquarters, you could have a scene unfolding in your game where Big Boa is training some Vipers or Cobra soldiers, and they're not doing very well. And then... You know, in the way that, like in the season in season two of the cartoon in '86, Sergeant Slaughter takes out all of these cobras every time he shows up. Right in our games, Big Boa shows up, and and the Joes are nervous. Like, yes, they have weapons, they have yeah. machine guns, and he doesn't. But if it's going to be hand to hand, uh, Big Boa is, as his name says, he's big, and also he punches very well. He's like an end of level boss in a video game, isn't he? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you get through all the other guys, and then suddenly. He doesn't even need guns. He's, he's that much of a badass. He doesn't need guns. He just take you out with a side salad of left and a main portion of right. I was going to say instead of instead of it being him being like the 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 Cobra equivalent of Rocky in the end, he's almost like the Cobra equivalent of like Sergeant Slaughter, like the drill sergeant putting the Cobras to to work, sort of train them up. 
put them through like, their paces. Yeah, like Tim said, it, it brings another play style, doesn't it? Because it's not just all your heroes are going out and fighting all the villains. You've got internal stuff play going on in in the Cobra base where he is training up the, the, these these you know raw recruits kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's interesting, but also interesting that Larry decided nah, not using this guy, whereas he used other similar funky looking characters but couldn't find a place for this one yeah again he's he saw so he said he's got some brief appearances in the devil's due era and then he's he was also introduced in the idw cobra book as a, a sort of very different i mean sort of, you know that that key of being the I guess the the cobra trainer still being being there but a very different visual look to to him so sort of but he wasn't reinvention Full on, he was obviously Cobra, but doesn't he? Does he? I, I forget. I'm going to do a reread. I think um, he kind of comes around a bit to not be full on Cobra and or betrays them. Or uh, I don't yeah, think. Don't so. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it, let it he sort of noise. gets he gets chum, he gets a bit chummy with Chuckles when he's sort That's of it, yeah uh, when he's trying to sort of integrate himself into into Cobra. The IDW Cobra series was trying to take a more grounded approach. So at the same time, IDW was publishing the main G.I. Joe, which was sort of the like regular military action. They were publishing Origins, which was spotlight stories. And they were publishing Cobra, which all, th- all three things were in continuity. But Cobra was about Chuckles by himself uh, in under deep cover, having infiltrated Cobra before anyone knows what Cobra is. And to help sell the idea that no one knows what Cobra is, Cobra is not this ostentatious international army with like flamboyant supervillain costumes with bare chests and metal cod pieces right so <laughs> maybe it, this version of big bow would have gotten to the costume that we're used to yeah yeah maybe and what the th- one of the things i liked and appreciated about it was i know christos gage co-wrote with mike costa that first mini but then mike costa took on sole writing credits for the book and he had come off of a transformers run at idw which was much lamented as being one of the worst written Transformers books ever, um, his run on that series, and it was not good. And then to go from that to then turn in exemplary work on on this book was a real, I don't know, maybe it's just he didn't want to write big robots and he wanted to write undercover agents. I'm, I'm just, this is not a Transformers episode, but I'm just going to put in a vote of confidence. I did like Costa's Transformers. Oh, did you? Run. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It means he's a good writer, I guess. We've also got a late up-to-the-minute edition here, looking ahead to the future. It is the John Royal cover for G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero 297, which will be coming out later on this year. Look at that. What a great dynamic cover. Honor- Can okay, I do so- two quick honourable mentions? Uh, Cesspool as a weirdy. Um, he's fantastic. Uh, probably been talked at at length on several episodes of talking joe uh listeners go back and check those out and also um um someone else who's a uh, road pig I, i'm a big fan of road pig i think he's he's weird enough that he's got a split personality uh, and he carries around a massive sledgehammer mallet kind of thing and he wears american football shoulder pads so he's a dreadnought i guess it's a strange choice that um in the IDW run, Road Pig's two personalities don't switch back and forth between lowercase lettering and uppercase lettering because that's much more legible now with computer lettering and printing on glossy paper. You'd think mm. that they wouldn't have wanted to do it in the Marvel run and yeah, they yeah. would want to do it now. 
but everyone seems to have forgotten to do it now. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great, simple, you know, um, way of showcasing the split personalities just but very easily. Um, but I'm a big fan of Road Pick. Cool. Uh, uh, so I was going to then sort of move on to to a pivotal point in the Marvel comics, which was issue 98, which I'm calling Death of the Weirdos. Uh, so we've, we've kind of alluded to it. Like, did these any of these guys have a later appearance? Well, they did have a an appearance which made them late, as in the late Crocmaster, the late Voltar, the late <laughs> Raptor. Uh, so, so it was a, a sort of Larry Hammer cleared decks somewhat appropriately on a, a boat on the freighter, the landlocked freighter, Cobra Commander. Uh, well, so the, some of these Cobras were having a meeting in, inside the freighter. Then then Cobra Commander f- threw in a bunch of uh, Cobra weirdos uh, in, in to join them, including Mindbender and Raptor. Is that uh, Tyrone at the front, who is yeah, supposed with, to be with... like 18, he looks about 45? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, Tyrone, right, Captain right. Min. And he's uh, on Billy. the cover. Tyrone is on the yeah. cover. Yeah, incredible scenes. Yeah, some somewhat unceremoniously... You know, the, they sort of set off a series of explosions, and the freighter so sort of follows the channel down into the uh, this Cobra Mountain. Uh, you know, and then it's exploded behind them, sort of trapping them them in. And and that was the last we saw of most of these these you know weirdos. They, some of them make a reappear, reappearance. Doctor Mindbender is brought back as a kind of clone. Zartan, Billy. And Firefly make uh, their escapes, but um, yeah. The, what the rest what do you of think them... then? Obviously, Larry is famously um, known or quoted as saying he only writes, you know, a page at a time with no clear end point. He gets there when he gets there, but but obviously his love for Doctor Mindbender is very much known because he's in pretty much every single IDWA RAR issue. And so, do you think <laughs> he was definitely? Right, when I kill these guys off in issue 98, we will never see these guys again. Or do you think in the back of his head he was thinking, uh, some of these guys are going to escape? I think he he knew he could come up with a way to bring some back. If needed. If, if needed. And Hasbro made a new Dr. Mindbender action figure a couple years later and a new Firefly action figure and a new Zartan. So, he, so his hand got forced. Right. Um, okay. seeing, seeing how he's bringing characters back from the dead now who don't have new action figures and he's being forced to, I think had the toy line stopped around issue 98 and he had written another 55 issues, I think he might've gotten around to bringing someone like Mindbender back anyway. But, right. um, you know, like as fans, I think we're often, it's like, when is my favorite character coming back? Or as toy collectors, it's like, when is that toy showing up? And as a writer, in any one issue or any one story, he can only reasonably juggle 10 or 15 characters. And so an act like this is making things easy on himself. Because, you know, by issue 98, he's got like 100 characters. Yeah, right. And also also off-panel deaths are, you know, much easier to write out of um, if you ever want to bring them back rather than having characters shot on panel or heads chopped off on panel or you know things like that when we see captain min's corpse uh 10 or 20 issues later that's pretty a definitive and b grisly is it just a skeleton or, or, you know, 
Crystal. Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Poor poor old Voltor. He gets like a panel or something. He's got like his his maybe what a handful four issues or so that he's appeared into this date today and across a handful of issues as appears in you know a couple of panels here and then that's it. And I think you know I think people forget forget about him. Oh, did I found out a pop pop fact about uh, uh, Voltar? Voltar in this appearance in issue ninety two, he's got they've got um, long range on the front cover of the of the issue, and long range his face very much looks like Voltar. He's got he's got the helmet, the yeah, thing over yeah. his eyes. Got the, and I found out that I think it was in one of the uh, the toy catalogs released advertising. Which way around was it? Advertising long range um, toy, they often sort of have prototype figures to do that because they have to do the photography so early and they used a repainted version of Voltar's head on the, <laughs> on the figure to advertise long range in this catalog. It's um, one of the updates on 3d Joe's uh, just or in uh, just in towards late June. So uh, yeah, learn, learn something new every day, even if it relates to something that happens almost 40 years ago sometimes. So yeah, excellent uh, stuff. So so I think that was us done. Sort of talking about some of our favourite uh, our favourite crazy cobras, and uh, yeah, we're part of Cobra Convergence. So something is happening every single day this month. Uh, we are sandwiched in between lots of other fine fan creators. Uh, so uh, coming up. Tomorrow, there is the Human Mechanism MK2 and Audible Interludes. Later on, there's My Side of the Laundry Room, Jay Bartlett, my mate Mylar, who was on the show with Chief a while back, uh, the Artishark, Action Robot Punch, Anything Joe's, They Gone, A Toy Kind of Mood, Codename New2, Vero2, G.I. Joe Berg, and Star Joe's G.I. Joe Berg with friend of the show Steve Jubber and Star Joe's with friend of the show John Thurmond and Cobra Lang on uh, July 24th. So that's the kind of the next few days up ahead and it's all going on until the end of July. So uh, check out some of those other great creators as part of Cobra Convergence. Uh, what, what's the talking Joe plans when you come to the end of the Devil's Due run? Are you jumping straight into IDW? Uh, well, it's still far off. We're, you know, we're getting through them, but they did put out a lot of comics. So when we're doing a couple of issues at a time, <laughs> we're, we're still, you know, still sort of in the Brandon Jerwa era. So we've got yeah, a we're... good set of issues to go. We're, uh, are we only halfway through and we, we've done, we've been doing this for a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. About, about halfway through probably. Yeah. 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 So there's, uh, I noticed you didn't cover the dark horse comics. Well, there are only eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> and but also they they're not really the about, they're, you know, they're not the same continuity. That's a completely different thing to the side. It doesn't really sort of there's not much there in the Venn diagram of overlap between I guess you a real American hero. When you've, when you've exhausted every other uh, Joe comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah and sort of spending uh spending lots of time discussing the three the the 3d comics all of those kind of things but uh <laughs> that was that was it i think so guys where can people find out more about you and where to find you uh, tim my comic book store is hub comics which is a brick and mortar shop in somerville massachusetts somerville borders boston and and borders cambridge so uh, when I say we're outside of Boston, I don't mean we're like two hours outside of Boston. I mean, we're two subway stops outside of Boston. And my G.I. Joe blog is a realamericanbook.com. Excellent. And Chiefy, where can people find you these days? Uh, yeah, Armageddon is a Instagram account, which I just mainly do some daily posts on trading cards and also if you're into trading cards marvel star wars garbage pail kids that kind of thing uh hop on over to armor geekdom box breaks on facebook i've just got a load of new products come in actually uh they arrived today from the good old us of a i've got a box of series four uh marvel universe from 1993 wow. i've got wow. a Fleer 1994 marvel universe sealed box i've got a qfx marvel premium this is the joe quizada uh, 1997 i want to say on this one um it's a i think it's a 90 card base set and joe quizada went around new york city taking photographs and then did art um superimposed on top of the images of new york city uh we've got some star wars stuff down here i've got some some crappy Disney sequel trilogy stuff. Uh, but then I also got some good stuff. I got some Star Wars Galaxy early stuff. So yeah, uh, opening boxes of trading cards, uh, selling spots in the break, posting out the cards to people. So uh, hop on over to Armageddon Box Breaks for that. What about you, Mark? Where can people find you? Um, so you can find us at talkingjoe.co.uk. That is the website that has links to all of our media outlets it's got links to facebook instagram the all of the podcasts the youtubes and more you can even leave us messages now so so it's got all of the stuff uh it's also got links to our page oops so i can send you pictures of my surgery right i'm on it no don't do that okay um uh, it's also uh, got links to our Patreon, patreon.com, Talking Joe. A big thanks to our backers, Richard, Sam, Jay, Bill, Christopher, and Justin, who are getting early access to all sorts of shows and extras. So uh, if you want to be like them, those cool kids, you know where to go. Um, so I think that is us done. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, and if you are new to Talking Joe, hope to see you again sometime soon. Um, and uh, I guess as we sign off, I'll say, remember that... <laughs> Nobody beats Talking Joe, an international podcast! With one guy in America and two guys in the UK. One of whom is in his loft <laughs> and what send off mark <laughs> keep it geek
G.I. Joe fans, get ready to converge. This year is the 40th anniversary of G.I. Joe, and the G.I. Joe fan community is ready to celebrate. HCC 788 presents, in special association with Surveillance Port and Serpentor's Lair, Cobra Convergence 6, coming in July 2022. For the entire month of July, your favorite G.I. Joe fan creators will be bringing you new Cobra-related content. We have creators presenting every day in July. Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse, The Full Force, Joe Motion Videos 82, Cobra Island, Half the Battle, Peg Warmers, Plastic Battles. We will celebrate our love for G.I. Joe by dedicating the whole month of July to G.I. Joe's enemy, Cobra. Get ready to turn the whole world blue, Cobra Blue. Snuva's Corner Cafe, What's on Joe Mind, Toy Connections, JLS Comics, Special Mission Force, Forgotten Figures, Joe on Joe Podcast, Talking Joe Podcast, The Human Mechanism Mark II, Audible Interlude. The calendar of presenters can be found at hcc788.com. Check the calendar and don't miss a single entry of this year's convergence. My Side of the Laundry Room, Jay Bartlett, Mate Mylar, The Artist Shark, Action Robot Punch, Anything Joe's, They Gone, a toy kinda mood, codename New2 Vero2, G.I. Joburg, Star Joes. You can get involved in Cobra Convergence. You are invited to create your own Cobra content and participate in a weekly promotion. Check hcc788.com for details. Cobra Lang, McDowan, Joe Colton, Podcast from the Pit, Fun School Ronnie, Order of Battle Podcast, The Skull Reviews, Articulated Points, Hooded Cobra Commander 788. Join us in July for Cobra Convergence 6. It's time to come together for fun, for community, and for Cobra!